0: up, everybody. I hope everyone is doing well and enjoying this journey through the book of Revelation. We only have three letters left to go uh, as it pertains to the seven churches. So, so far, we have seen four types of churches with three warnings. Um, Ephesus worked hard to hold the truth, uh, to hold on to the truth and vet those claiming to be apostles, and they did great deeds. And but, you know, it became about the business of the church or the busyness of the church, should I say. And, you know, they forgot to focus on, you know, why they did those things to begin with. You know, and Smyrna got no rebuke because they were the model of how, you know, persecution can refine and strengthen your faith if you hold fast to Jesus. You now, they kept the faith and didn't allow the evil around them to corrupt their beliefs. Smyrna was rich in faith, and their faith and willingness to go through the persecution pleased Jesus. You know, Pergamum represents churches that allow greed and false teachings to spread through their congregations, churches that are motivated by greed and prefer to tickle the ear of their people instead of telling them the truth, excusing the sins of the people so not to offend them. Thyatira symbolizes a church that um have, the churches that have been seduced by false teachings of Jezebel and justify sexual immorality or just ignore it now comes the church of Sardis which is all about faith but has no works you know today we jump into the fifth letter that John is told to write and it is written to the church of Sardis this uh the meaning of of this name is difficult to confirm but some scholars believe it is translated as those escaping or remnant which will make sense when we talk about its correlation to the church history. Now this city was a strong city fortified at one point and you know on the side of a mountain basically but today it's in ruins. You know it lies approximately 50 to 60 miles north northeast of Smyrna the the Church of Sardis was all about faith but had no works. Jesus had a stern warning for the for the churches like this that have the doctrine and the faith but not the works. You know, as always, these rebukes are the collective whole or for the collective whole for of the church, and not the individual per se. Jesus is clear that those who are believers have nothing to fear. He will not blot their name out of the book of life. Now let's jump in and see what we can learn today from the fifth letter to the churches. Jesus is introduced in this letter as the one who holds the full, the full spirit, the sevenfold spirit of God and and the messengers or pastors of the churches. So he holds them. This can be seen as a reference to the wisdom of Jesus and the fact that he is the all-wise head of the church. He sees and knows their deeds or lack thereof, and Jesus says that they have a reputation for being alive, but he knows they are not. This speaks to the importance of not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. You can fool the people into thinking that you have you have it all together. You can have the best reputation, but Jesus knows the truth and he is not fooled. On the outside, the Church of Sardis is the Church of Sardis looks like you know, they are on fire potentially, you know, like they're the place to be. and But Jesus says that they are dead. The church is dead inside because they have no works to accompany their faith. They have the creed, but they're missing the deeds. Salvation comes by faith alone through grace, but Scripture is clear that faith without works is dead. That means that you can be a believer and be saved, but your faith must produce fruit and the Fruit uh, And the fruit and the good deeds done in Jesus' name are the evidence of that faith. Jesus wants us to be doers of the word and not just hearers only. This doesn't mean that good works equates to salvation. In terms of salvation, Scripture says that all of our works are like filthy rags in the sight of God. You know, works cannot precede salvation. Grace alone in faith in Jesus is the only way that you receive salvation but once you are saved the works and good deeds done with the right heart serve as the evidence of that faith when scripture says that faith without works is dead it is not implying that they aren't saved it is stating that their faith is not producing any fruit and a fruit bearing tree that doesn't produce any fruit will get cut down the farmer will remove that tree and plant a new one if this church fails to produce any good deeds in, in Jesus' name and bear any fruit or evidence of their faith, he will come like a thief in the night and he will take away the Spirit of God from that church and he will let it die spiritually, becoming like an abandoned city. He'll remove that, that church, so to speak. Jesus tells them that, tells them to awaken and strengthen what remains of the church. Like a fire that is almost burned out, but it still has a few hot embers. Fan those embers that remain until they create fire once again. That's kind of like what he's saying to them. There are still some among them that have not forgotten the mission of the church. And Jesus is saying, take those and build upon their faith. Reignite the mission of the church before it is too late. These few, Jesus says, have not sold their garments and are dressed in white and walk with him and are worthy. Now, these white garments are a symbol of our salvation. They represent spiritual covering that Jesus gives us when we accept him, you know, making us clean before God. You know, he says that, he says they have not sold their clothes, meaning they have not ruined their testimony to the people. It doesn't mean they have not sinned. It means they are still doing good works in Jesus' name and haven't ruined that witness to the lost, to the lost people. It's like... Uh, this it's like this someone who has ruined their witness is someone that talks a good game but when it's showtime they don't deliver when someone realizes you can't walk the walk you lose credibility and that is what happened to a lot of these believers they ruined their witness credibility because they talked a good game but never delivered on their faith and they lost credibility with the people you don't have to be perfect to walk with Jesus. In fact, you can you can, and will make many mistakes and you will fail many times along the way. But when you share the love of Jesus with others and act as his hands and feet and live out your faith before others, you will continue to bear fruit and you will maintain that credibility in your witness to others. Essentially, you will maintain that white garment of salvation and be worthy to walk with him uh, as he talks about in this particular letter he reminds the believer that they are secure in him and he will not he will never blot their name out of the of the book of life you are secure in Christ so go out and be victorious in your faith let your light shine let your good works for others in his name bear much fruit let it spread like wildfire you know some of the other churches received much praise for their works and good deeds like thyatira Yet they were found lacking in their faith. But Sardis has plenty of faith but no no deeds. And yet they too are sternly warned. This should teach us that Jesus is not impressed or pleased with either extreme, all faith or all works. He is pleased with balance He wants the church to have much faith, to be prudent with vetting those who teach the word, to avoid false doctrine and hold steadfast to the truth, regardless of who it offends, and then let their faith shine through the works done in his name to further the gospel and reach the lost. Now, how does this letter, the letter to Sardis, tie into church history? What period does uh, the church of Sardis represent Well, Sardis was the time of the Reformation Church that went from 1517 to 1648. The Reformation marked the end of the control of the Catholic Church and the Spirit of God moved upon the Reformation Church which was dominated uh, for the first hundred years by a handful of state churches like the Lutheran, Anglican, and Presbyterian, etc. But a major problem arose out of this uh reformation church they were so turned off by the corrupt good works teaching of the catholic church which was all about works you know um as if you could earn your way to heaven that they went the other direction they they were they were kind of like so irritated with the catholic church they just went the opposite way and became like the church of sardis all about doctrine and faith and no, and produce no good works. You know, In fact, Martin Luther was said to disagree with the validity of the book of James because James taught that faith without works is dead. And you know, I read that Martin Luther even went so far as to remove the book of James from the New Testament and put it at the end as an index or something like that um, in one of his translations. So you can see how... And that makes sense, you know, to a degree. You know, when, when someone revolts or rebels against something, they tend to, when they start something new, they tend to want to do the opposite of what they rebelled from and often go to the other extreme. So here you have the roman catholic church being all about works but no faith like as in the same way thyatira was then you have the reformation uh, church and the birth of the protestants that are all about faith and no works like the church of sardis but in 1648 at the end of the 30 years war between the catholic church and the protestants they signed the treaty known as the peace of westphalia uh, if i said that correctly this piece established that christians were permitted to worship when and where they pleased it protected christian expression in greater forms and the reformation church lost control of you know its creed so to speak as a result new protestant faiths uh, or denominations emerged and finally the faith based works were reignited the reformation church gave birth to a new generation of believers that reinstated the works that should accompany one's faith, and a new era in the church was born. Where the church awoke a new era of works based of works based on faith began, and where the Reformation Church remained asleep, the thief came and took the spirit elsewhere. In this, you can see how the church of Sardis lines up with the Reformation church and how Jesus brought an end to to it, taking the Spirit elsewhere, just like he said he would do. And he allowed it, though, to give birth to the next era in church history. This letter really reminds us that we must have strong faith, but that faith must be lived out and needs to produce fruit. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your continued grace and mercy. When I read these letters, one of the things that sticks out in in my mind, sticks out to me, jumps off the page, is the warnings, and not in an ominous way, but in a merciful way. It shows that even even when we have run out of chances, you still give us another chance to correct our course. Even though they had been given many chances and much time, you still give them a warning, A letter giving them another chance and more time to get things right. That is what I want everyone to see. The abundant mercy and grace of God that is always present. Thank you, Jesus, that our names are safe in the Lamb's Book of Life. And that our hope for eternity is securely in your hands. I pray for the church. I pray that you would ignite a fire in the church. Bring revival, Jesus pour out the sevenfold spirit on your church let the pastors preach in the power of your truth and let the works of the church speak of you and bring glory to your name any church that is not doing what you have called it to do let them be removed according to your word and let the churches doing your will rise up in your name and burn with a fire that cannot be put out Let your spirit rest on those churches and may they be a beacon of hope to the lost world. Let us be a people on fire for you, Jesus. May you receive all the glory, honor, and praise. Amen.